0: My name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed, Bed Crime, crime stories. stories, a
1: weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at noche.
0: All right. So this week's true crime headlines. Is it weird if I stare you right in the eyes? Yes. It's weird right? <laughs> you stare me right in the eyes. Yes. Don't do that. All right. So this week's true crime headlines is um, the Texas, the Texas, Texas, I've, uh, God, i haven't been able to talk all day so i'm sorry i apologize in advance um a texas teacher allegedly shot son dead while driving him to school told strangers this is not real um so i found this on people um this was uh posted on november 11th 2020 so a texas teacher is accused of shooting her teenage son to death in her minivan as she drove him to school early morning uh monday morning wow yeah, so you wouldn't want to think that... I mean, there's, there's a lot more information on there, so if you want to learn about it, it's on people.com. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so, crazy. Crazy. And then the other one... Crazy. Mm-hmm. Also, we have dogs in the background. Yes, we have barking dogs tonight, so don't mind us. Barking barking puppies. But the barking puppies. The barking puppies. The other one I found is on people.com, because people.com markets to me for some reason. I think it's because I really like people.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but man is found naked and shot to death in plastic bin floating in florida retention pond this was posted on november 10th uh 2020 and it says authorities in florida are investigating the death of a man whose body was found in a plastic container floating in a pond
1: interesting
0: so, yeah
1: welcome to florida yeah right
0: florida has weird stories yeah. all the time
1: Welcome it's on our sign welcome to florida you may be floating in a bin one day
0: It always makes me wonder if it's something like drug related when people are in bins in retention ponds not much was uh
1: really said well it ain't good when people are in bins and retention ponds that's for darn sure not at all it's not usually the it's not usually a happy ending to a story when that's what ends
0: so i mean there's there's not much information at this point so interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah that's it for me
1: fun all right
0: true crime headlines
1: (laughs) Nikki is bound to determine to create some sort of a theme song for True Crime Headlines.
0: A jingle um, is going to happen uh, yeah. with my barking dogs in the background. <laughs>
1: maybe we can do like the thing. Remember, it's Christmas time. They do like the dog jingle bell where the dogs are barking jingle bells. Just, so maybe we can have the dogs make a, a song and we can oh. sing True Crime Headlines to the barking song sound.
0: I wonder how that would sound.
1: Probably a little bit like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, should I go get my micro- my dog and just be like, here, <laughs> make sing it happen,
1: us, sing us a little song, sir, <laughs> hey,
0: sing us a song. All
1: uh, right, all right. So I am going to be telling you all the tale. It is the mysterious disappearance and death of Maetrice Richardson. <sighs>
0: One. And I, I like this you story. I beat you to it. No, that's good. This is a really, this is a really good story, so I'm, I'm very excited. It is
1: a very good story. It's a very um, intricate story. There's a ton of detail out there. That's um, how next week's story is for me, too. Yeah, there's just like a ton of detail out there. And I will tell you that it was really hard for me to go to my source material and pick out the things that I thought was the just the relevant information yes. because there's so much about the story that I want to tell because it's such an important mm-hmm. story. Um, but I will say that my primary resource the the place where I got the most of my information was from an LA magazine Online story, lamag.com. And the article is called What Happened to My Richardson. Um, it was written by Mike Kessler and it was published on September 1st, 2011. Um, and at the end, I will remind you again of that article so I can um, recommend that you guys do go and, mm-hmm. and read it. It's a fantastic article, incredibly detailed, um, just absolutely minute to minute account of everything that happened in this story. So, highly recommend it. I got additional information from a website called blackgirltragic.com. And then, of course, my fave, Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. All right, so quick little log line about what happened, and then we'll kind of back it up and and tell the whole story. So Maitrese Richardson was 24 years old when she disappeared from the Malibu Lost Hill Sheriff's Department in the early hours of September 17th, 2009. After being released from the jail there shortly after midnight, she had been arrested and booked on suspicion of failing to pay for her meal at Jeffrey's Malibu and for possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. So let's talk a little bit about Mitrice's early life. So she was born on April 30th, 1985 in L.A. Her parents are Latice Sutton and Michael Richardson. Mitrice was born shortly before her parents graduated from high school. Um, and after they graduated, they decided to go to work so they can earn some money, raise, uh, raise Mitrice. So um, she was taken care of by her maternal great grandmother, Mildred. So her mom's grandmother, Mildred. Mitrice's father, Michael, got caught up in kind of a spiral of unfortunate events that unfortunately led to a string of felonies. And by 1989, Michael was serving an eight year sentence at the Soledad State Prison. Um, He was eventually transferred to a lower security prison and wound up being released after about four years. But while Michael was away serving his time, Latice met and married another man named Larry Sutton. And uh, the two move with my trees out to Covina, California, which is a suburb about 22 miles east of L.A. Um, they moved out there right around the time when the Rodney King riots were happening in L.A. In about 1993, there's a lot of racial unrest, um, and it was kind of one of those things of all of those tensions were starting to build up and come to a head. And they decided it is time for us to leave L.A. Um, and and bring our family into a place where we can have a better life and really make um, a better way for my trees and for ourselves you know so by middle school my trees was cheerleading in high school she was really involved in dance classes um, as a young adult my trees loved to drive she hated to walk anywhere and hated to be like outside playing in nature which i can 1000 percent relate to I was like i relate to that absolutely um you know when other kids were outside playing she didn't want anything to do with that she was like it's dirty there's bugs it's hot i'm like girl absolutely
0: my boyfriend made fun of me because i made it like i got in the car to move over like two rows
1: yes to go into the store exactly like get me as close as possible so i can be outside as least amount of time yeah so um she would like stay inside do crossword puzzles watch tv dance write in her journal things like that um My kept her grades up through high school and she wound up getting accepted to Cal State at Fullerton and she was the first person in her family to go to college. Uh, My earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology from Cal State Fullerton in 2008 and right around the time of her graduation she did come out as a lesbian. She had started dating a woman named Tessa Moon, and Tessa was an avid boxer.
0: I didn't know this about Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So while she was kind of figuring out where she wanted to go to get her master's degree, because of course she has a degree in psychology, she wanted to pursue a career in that. um, She wanted to get her master's degree. Um, as a former psych major myself, I understand that that is uh, definitely the only way that you're going to ever make money with a psychology degree is to get your master's, which is why I stopped being a psych major. Um, <clears throat> so Matrice lived with her great-grandmother, Mildred, who I mentioned earlier, and she earned money by doing clerical work for the Santa Fe Springs Shipping Company, which was owned by her girlfriend, Tessa's father. Uh, but by the spring of 2009, the copper... Cupboard- that's not a word. Not a cupper. <laughs> by, the, <laughs> by the spring of 2009, the couple decided to break up. So around the time of their breakup, Mitrice started to perform on Friday nights as a go-go dancer at a club called Deborah's, which was a popular lesbian club in Long Beach. Um, she called herself Hazel, and uh, she had uh, business cards printed up because she wanted to parlay this go-go dancing career into a career in modeling. She used to do um, beauty pageants and things like that so she wanted to actually make a lucrative career out of modeling and she thought this was a really great way to get her face and her name out there. Well, while she was working at Debra's, Mytris kind of fell for this girl named Vanessa, who was a regular at the club. Vanessa had a girlfriend, uh, but that kind of only made Mytris more determined to kind of win win her over and became a little obsessed with Vanessa. Um, Eventually, Vanessa did have to tell Mytris, you know, it's time for you to stay away. She felt like her behavior was becoming bizarre. Um, She didn't talk on the phone with her as much. She started posting... Frequent, weird, cryptic, dark messages on on MySpace. I almost said Facebook. It wasn't around then. On MySpace. I miss MySpace. Like, oh, MySpace.
0: <laughs> Top nine. Bring um, it back. <laughs> I just want the music on the side.
1: Yeah, I do miss those days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like changing it with your mood, like it meant something.
0: Yeah. Like
1: I'm just gonna put on Amber by 112, and maybe they'll get the point.
0: I was talking to someone the other day. I was like, "That's the only way I've learned HTML." <laughs> it's like. Yeah, we were basically
1: <laughs> like mini coders. Yeah, at good times. Um, so one of the posts that was written on MySpace was quoted to say, "Have you ever woke up at 7 a.m. crying on a Saturday? Because now that you see the light, you see all the people lost in the dark. Welcome to my reality." So it was like these very like deep, dark, cryptic musings at She's all like hours of the night. Major stuff. She was going through it. Yeah. So something was off, right? And apparently she had talked to at least one friend about seeking therapy. But as far as anybody that was close to her knew, she never dealt with mental illness. Her ex-girlfriend, Tessa, had said, Mytrisse wanted people to think that she had everything under control. So there, she was not letting, if she was going through a crisis, she wasn't letting anybody
0: know about it. I was going to say, mental health has not been as open as it has been, I feel like, the last like five years. I I feel like people are like people are more willing
1: to be very open and honest about their struggles. And yeah, for sure. Agreed. So that brings us to the event of our, Evening of our story The events of our story So the evening of September 16th, 2009 My Therese was driving Along the Pacific Coast Highway In Malibu In her 98 Civic I could just like I feel like when I say That sentence I can like picture it right? I picture it So she's on the Pacific Coast Highway In Malibu We've it's all beautiful. seen pictures Right It's beautiful There's cliff sides And just like this Wild country With all these rocks And, and canyons And I, all that I, stuff like, I know? feel like
0: I see A sunset of yeah, like Yeah, exactly and, like,
1: Exactly Just pinks and blues and yes yeah. so she's on her drive my trees happens upon the restaurant Jeffries, and she pulls in the parking lot this is a new place to my trees. she didn't know jeffrey she's never been there and she did not know malibu at all she's a city girl she's from la yeah. she grew up in covina she grew up nowhere near the shoreline by malibu right this yeah. is not her element so she's in the parking lot she's waiting for the valet to come over by the time he comes over to get her car She's already out of her car and she's sitting now in his car, which was parked nearby and the door was open. So he's like, why are you here? You know? So she says to him, it's subliminal. And then mutters something about avenging the death of Michael Jackson. So she gives the valet her keys. And before she makes her way into the restaurant, she says to him, Hey, is Vanessa here? As if he's supposed to know who that is or who she's talking about. And he's like, Oh, no, So she said, keep an eye out for a girl with tattoos on her arms. So she goes into the restaurant. Yeah, right. <laughs> so she goes into the restaurant. She seemed harmless. But to play it safe, the valet kind of went up to the host and hostess and was like, hey, just kind of watch out for her. She's acting pretty weird. I don't know what's going on. You know, whatever. So she sits down at the table. She orders a cocktail and a Kobe steak.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: She's. She's kind of sitting there she's waiting for her food to come and she there's a table nearby with seven people they're chit chatting away and she kind of is drawn over to them and she just gets up sits at their table and starts chatting away and making conversation with them and she starts talking to them about astrological signs and like just all this like crazy crazy stuff so uh, a staff member of Jeffrey's walks over and kind of checks in with the rest of the guests and they're like no everything's fine like it's weird but we can handle it like she's acting bizarrely but we're fine it's okay And she goes back to her table. She eats her food and then comes back and joins them again. She tells them that she's going to Hawaii and she would contact them when she arrived. So the seven people from the table get up and they leave. I
0: haven't heard any of this. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard the story, but I haven't heard like these details of the story.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, that article is crazy.
0: I'm just like, what the hell?
1: So after the seven people from that table get up and they leave, she starts walking towards the door to leave. And the manager stops her and says, hey, you know, you have an $89 tab that you're not paying. Like, how are you going to pay for this? So she kind of makes it brushes it off. as like, oh, they were supposed to pay for me. They didn't pay for me. And he's like, no, they didn't pay for you. So she's like, all right, I'm busted. What are we going to do? Type of a thing. So the manager is talking to her. She's kind of in a trance. She's not really answering him. She told him that she was from Mars and remarked about settling her debt with sex.
0: Wait, I thought men are from Mars and women are from Venus. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> She mentions that That's she what went, I thought. I was like, I was trying to think of what it was. I was like, <laughs> You're what right. Is that it? is what it is. Um.
1: <clears throat> so she starts like emptying her pockets to prove that she has no money. Like, no, I, I don't have anything, whatever. And now she's pulling out stuff out of her pockets, she pulls out a joint and it falls on the table. And another person on staff contacts at this point, the Lost Hill Sheriff Department. So they let them know, Hey, we have a guest here. She's refusing to pay her bill. She sounds kind of crazy. We think she might be on drugs. So the sheriff's deputies are on their way over to the restaurant. She tells the hostess that she was watching a soap opera when she was at work and God instructed her to take the afternoon off and she in her conversation with the hostess um she mentions her great grandmother mildred mm-hmm. who we talked about earlier so the hostess calls mildred and mildred's like dude take my credit card over the phone i'll pay for the bill yeah. just let her go like no harm no foul here's my credit card get her home safe but the restaurant said we're not able to take your credit card we require a signature to run your card so they wouldn't take her credit card over the phone um Mildred's 90 years old. She's not getting in her car and driving down to Malibu to unfortunately be able to bail Mitrice out. She had no way to get there, right? Yeah. So um, she was still on the line talking to Mitrice at around 9 p.m. when the deputies arrive. So the manager describes to them Mitrice's strange behavior. One of the deputies gets on the phone with Mildred and then gives the phone back to Mitrice's and she's just acting very, like, lackadaisical and unfazed by everything that's going on. Just kind of like, yeah, well, whatever, the cops are here, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Mildred is like, they're getting ready to take your ass to jail. So, I don't know why you're acting like this is fine. This is serious, my trees, you know. So, Mildred gets off the phone with her and immediately calls Latrice, my mom. mom.
0: So. Did you notice that her dad's name and her mom's name makes her name? Mm -hmm. I noticed that when you said it, and I was like, that's so sweet. I thought
1: that was cute too. So, deputies start searching my car. It's really messy. It's cluttered. There's a whole bunch of crap in there. They weren't able to find... Well, they report that they weren't able to find... Oh,
0: Jovi's giving Charlie a look right now.
1: What's the matter? Oh, no, no. Oh, my car is disgusting. Believe me. Oh, I know. Um, (laughs) Fully aware. So... um, I was like you're like oh this is about to get real
0: i was like i can't say that's me because i don't keep anything in my car oh god no it's bad
1: um so they report that they weren't able to find her cell phone money or her wallet but they did find her driver's license which they hand to her they also find scraps of marijuana and partially finished bottles of liquor the arresting deputy states to dispatch that she was possibly drunk and she was making odd statements okay remember i say that Okay, And for this reason, he's instructed to administer a field sobriety test. So he does this field sobriety test. He checks her eyes, her pulse. She is appearing sober or she's reporting sober, I guess I should say. When he asks Maitreese why she was at Jeffrey's, she said that she was drawn in by the lights. He asked if she was on any medication. She said no. He asked if she had ever been placed on a 72-hour hold for psych evaluation. And she also said no. So Mytreece's Civic was impounded. They get her in the back of the squad car. They're on their way over to the Lost Hill station, which is about 25 minutes away from Jeffrey's. As they're on their way into the station, Latisse makes a phone call to the station herself to find out what is going on, because she got her the call from Mildred. So she asked if Maitreese was going to be released that night. Latisse basically reasoned that, you know, if she was gonna be locked up all night, I'm not gonna schlep with my 10 year old daughter down to Malibu to get her out if we're just gonna be sitting there until sunup when she's released to pull her back home. So let me know, is she gonna be okay, you know? Yeah. So she says to the deputy, I think the only way I'll come down to get her tonight is if you guys are gonna release her tonight. Makes sense. So yeah. the deputy on the phone assured Latisse that Maitreese would be safe at the station. And Latisse said to him, you know, she's not from the area. I would hate to wake up to a morning report girl lost somewhere with her head chopped off. Maitreese never called her mom from the jail once she was booked at the jail. The only number she had memorized was her great grandmother Mildred's. Um, when they looked at the logbooks, it showed that she did call or at least try to call Mildred four times following her arrest. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department said that she was overheard in the jail cell having a conversation, but Mildred insists that her phone never rang that night. Now, the payphone where she would normally make phone calls from at the jail, Mm -hmm. where it records the outgoing phone calls, was out of order. So she had to make phone calls from a non-recorded line. So because there's no record of the phone calls that she made, she could have just been talking to a dial tone. There's no way to know... If she actually ever spoke to anybody and nobody's ever come forward to say that they that she called to kind of sidebar real quick if a law enforcement officer is arresting a person and they feel as though that person is showing um signs that they are possibly mentally unstable they're allowed to detain them as a possible 5150 so a 5150 as we know we're all nodding our heads but to to let the folks out there know if you don't a 5150 is the official code for a person who is showing a possibility to be a danger to themselves or others because of their mental state. So, In such a scenario, an officer um, would either put the arrestee or the arrested person on what's called a watch commander hold. And basically, it's like a um, more secure hold. So they have to stay for an X amount of time at the station before they're able to be released. Or if necessary, if it's that much of an emergency, they're able to send that person to a facility for a 72 hour psych eval. Both instances call for extra time and paperwork, a possible trip to the hospital, additional legwork, etc. The arresting deputy who made the arrest report, as we mentioned earlier, said to the dispatcher that she was exhibiting odd behavior, but he didn't mention any unusual behavior or odd statements in the official arrest report. Therefore, did not have to take the additional steps to put her under a 5150.
0: She totally needed a 5150. For her own safety. Doi. Like, hello. Doi, yes. When you're talking about you're from Mars. Just the fact that she,
1: like, the just the fact that they found the half drank, possibly half drank. Yeah. I mean, obviously she wasn't appearing to be sober. She didn't test, or she wasn't appearing to be drunk. Yeah. She didn't test that she was drunk. But there's a obvious um, uh, impairment Happening here. And she's not... She's not from the area. You're driving on these windy canyons on the cliff sides of Malibu. Like... Yeah. For her own safety, you keep her there, you know? Yeah. Mm. So... Her charge, uh, she was charged with two with two separate charges. The first was defrauding an innkeeper, which is the official charge when you don't pay your restaurant bill.
0: Oh, okay. I was wondering yes. what happens to you if you don't pay your bill.
1: Defrauding an innkeeper. Okay. And the second was possession of marijuana. But because it was such a small amount, she could not be held. And she did not have, uh, she had a clean record. She had no re- a previous, a previous, wow. She had no previous um, record. And keeping her locked up technically would have been a violation of their policy. So figuring that my would sleep through the night, Latisse waited until about 535 in the morning to call the station back. So she reached the jailer um, and that's how they were named in the article. I'm not just calling them a jailer because I pretend that it's like the wild, wild west. (laughs) She was the jailer apparently. So she reached the jailer who informed Latisse that my was no longer there. The jailer knew that Mytrice's car was impounded, that nobody was coming to pick her up. They also knew that Mytrice had no personal items with her besides the license that was in her pocket and two keys that she had. Um, the jailer has maintained that Mytrice declined an offer to stay in the lobby until somebody could come and pick her up. But she told them that she was going to meet friends.
0: Yeah, because she needed a 5150.
1: Yeah, she was released. Because at- people failed to do their job. Exactly. She was released at 1215 in the morning. On a Thursday, 40 miles from home with no cell phone, no money, and no transportation. The closest open business was a mile away out of view from the station because, again, you're in the middle of nowhere on this windy canyon road and you can't see anything. The only thing that is near you is sidewalks and shrubbery and closed down commercial buildings. And just kind of a sidebar note here to kind of keep in mind, this is the same jail facility that actor Mel Gibson was brought to after he was arrested for his DUI in 2006. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that story. He was pulled over in Malibu for drunk driving. He went on like a crazy anti-Semitic tirade and was arrested and brought to this prison. And after sobering up, the deputies gave him a ride back to his car and sent him on his way. My was let out the front door.
0: (laughs) That's what pisses me off about this story the most. This one gets me so
1: heated. (laughs) Yeah. So Latisse calls the station back. She spoke with another deputy and asked how long she had to wait before she could file a missing persons report. And she asked, is it 24 or 48 hours? Because of course, like anybody, because if you haven't had the unfortunate thing happened to you where somebody in your life has gone missing, you only know what you see on TV that you have to wait 24 to 48 hours before you put in a missing persons report. Yeah. So the deputy told her, well, it depends on the circumstances and told her that normally he wouldn't recommend doing one this soon. But this deputy did not know about my arrest the night before or her release or what the circumstances were. So Latisse filled him in and was like, this is what's going on. This is how she was behaving. And now she's gone. So, again, she inquired about the time frame. So, how long do I have to wait? And he said, well, you know, I guess probably 24 hours would be reasonable. He said, I mean, if there were maybe some mitigating factors, you know, where you might suspect that something is not quite right.
0: Well, nothing of this is right.
1: Nothing of this is quite right. Exactly. So, Latisse starts crying. She says, well, yeah, nothing's right. She doesn't know the area. She's never been near where you are before. She doesn't know where she is.
0: She's not in a right state of mind.
1: Correct. So <clears throat> the deputy tells her, you know, I probably wait until a little later this morning. And if she doesn't show up, you certainly can call back. So she started sobbing. She tells him that she believed her daughter was highly depressed, that she was in a depressive state. So he does try and soothe her a little bit. And he suggested to her, why don't you wait a couple of hours? Give us some time. We want to make sure that my Therese isn't asleep in the lobby. Like, Okay. How does it
0: take a couple hours to walk out in the lobby and go?
1: Is anybody asleep out here? No?
0: No? Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. Um. But then said to her, you know, give us a call back in a couple hours if she hasn't shown up or made contact with you, maybe, and then maybe we can do something for you. <laughs> I love the lukewarm response. So about an hour after this, it's about 6.30 in the morning, the Lost Hill Sheriff Station receives a phone call from a retired KTLA reporter who lives down in Montanito, which is apparently at the bottom of the canyon. So, yeah there's like a community that's down there um, at the bottom of this like culvert canyon area. Mm. I don't know California. I'm from New mm-hmm. Jersey. I live in Florida. I don't know. It's canyons. flat here. It's flat as L as all get up here. I don't know. Um, but canyons, they're at the bottom of it yeah he called them and um he says to them we had a prowler walking around through the backyard here but we don't know what the situation was so he says to the dispatcher um that the trespasser was a slim black woman with afro hair um he had recounted how he'd opened his window he asked her if she was okay so thankfully he didn't just like get off my lawn you know yeah he opened his window he asked her if she was okay she said yeah i'm fine i'm just resting so he kind of walks away from the window and he goes to go talk to her. By the time he gets to another window to get closer to her, she was gone. So the cruiser, a uh, uh, Lost Hills cruiser comes to the house with the deputy. They weren't obviously able to find anyone. They also didn't issue a be on the lookout alert for another six and a half hours. By which time, of course, it was unfortunately too late. My trees had vanished.
0: What is the alert for someone who's like not a child, but they're not elderly? Because it's not, it's not like a, it's not an Amber Alert, and it's not a Silver Alert. So, what kind of alert is it?
1: I don't know, Jovi. That I, sounds like a job for Captain Google. It would,
2: it, it would kind of be technically a Silver Alert because it's saying, um, modeled after the Amber Amber Alert, the Silver Alert is an emergency system which law enforcement can use to disse- disseminate disseminate disseminate. Yeah, you that know,
1: just sounds weird. Yeah, it's, well, it's like semen. Yeah,
2: that's. <laughs> To disseminate statewide <laughs> alerts for missing seniors and/or other adults with Alzheimer's or other cognitive 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 disorders. So that would be cognitive, because she's not yeah. in a great state of mind. I guess. So I guess. I guess it would kind of be like a silver alert. Okay. But at the same time, they could just say, um, you know, FYI, there's a wandering woman who is. This is what she looks line. like. Yeah. She's. About this tall, thin, this is what our hair looks like, keep an eye out. Yeah.
0: The story, just, like, everything on it just doesn't align. Yeah, and, I think and that's it, what I say every time, like, I hear...
1: Yeah, and the whole thing is, is, like, the stuff that I'm saying is only a fraction of actually what happened and the conversations oh, yeah. that happened. Like, I cut out, like, people's names, I cut out a lot of details, because there's, it, there's so much that went wrong. There were so many people who dropped the ball.
0: Um... Because someone thinks that the next person's going to take care of it. And the next person's like, well, they're going to take care of it. Exactly.
1: There was just like zero accountability. And it was one of those things of just like, what could, we're in Malibu. What could go wrong? Like, I don't know. I just feel like it was like just kind of that thought of nothing bad happens here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that that's kind of where it came from. Because I don't think, believe me, I don't think it was done maliciously. I don't Mm -hmm. think it was send her out in the night and let's see what happens. Like, I don't think it was that. But I also don't think that anybody was really, truly looking, thinking ahead of this could potentially. Yeah. So the sheriff's department waited two days after my release to conduct the first search. Rather than deploy scent dogs from the station where she first left from to determine whether or not she got a ride or she walked down to Montanito, research, or I'm sorry, searchers started at the location last seen, which was the former KTLA reporter's house in Montanito.
0: Did they have a piece of her clothing for her scent?
1: I mean, they had her car, so they would have had stuff from her car that they could. Have okay, used for I'm,
0: her like, scent. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, how how are these go- dogs just going to randomly track the scent? Person, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so,
1: um, cheese, <Jeez. laughs> cheese. Sorry, um, yeah. Hopefully, she didn't have dog biscuits in her in her pocket. i going. Um, so like I said, they started at the location last seen, which was the KTLA reporter's house. So out front of his house, they found tracks from her sneakers that matched the sneakers that she was wearing that night. And from the impressions that her tracks had left, it appeared that she had been running, but they lost the pattern among shoe and hoof prints fewer than 100 feet from the Dark Creek because in that area was like a a horse community. Like everybody out there had horsies. Um, Yes. Now, um, so she was about 100 feet from the creek was where they last saw her shoes, but the officers did not hike up into the canyon.
0: Now- So wait- They thought that she had went up into the canyon, and then they didn't go look. Well, you figure the
1: sheriff's department, the... the sheriff's office was up on top of the canyon yeah his house was at the bottom of the canyon okay shoe prints disappeared by the creek but you would have assumed that they went up into the canyon to see if she like left any more clues or anything like that they never went up into the canyon i just almost ripped my fake eyelash off of my face
0: okay i know i've been admiring those all night i was like those are really nice they're super
1: fluttery i just poked myself in the eye okay Um, So because Mitrice was a resident of L.A., the investigation became the responsibility of LAPD's missing persons unit, although the sheriff's department remained heavily involved because they were from the very beginning. So three days into the search, the case was reassigned yet again to LAPD's robbery homicide division because officials explained that the office had better resources. It was not, they assured everyone, a homicide investigation. When the LAPD got a hold of the journals that were in Maitrese's Civic, she had written journals and kept extensive writings and and whatnot. They concluded that she had been sleep deprived for several days and could have been suffering from a bipolar episode the night of her arrest.
0: Holy shit. So she had like a mental break.
1: Correct. Um, Police also found her ATM card, her checkbook and her cell phone in the car where deputies said that they couldn't find them. On January 9th, 2010, four months after she was reported missing, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department conducted one of the largest scale searches in the history of the department. Over 300 volunteers trained in search and rescue operations participated in the 18 square mile search in the area of Malibu Canyon. The search included both air and ground searches of creeks, trails and ridges, but my trees was not found during the search.
0: Is that where everybody walks in a line yes. and they like they like literally comb the they area? Comb, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. Like I've always wanted to be involved in that. I feel like that's mm-hmm. like awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I no, mean, I'm it's just, not. It's like, not awesome, but it's like
1: outside though with dirt and heat. Yeah, but Thugs and Yeah, but think of the good that you would
2: do. Yeah. Like, part of like helping. Them oh yeah, them, no, for if sure. You to find them, for sure. Like, awesome. no, I,
1: on August 9th, two thousand ten, the Rangers headed into Dark Canyon to check an eradicated pot farm, and they stumbled upon Maitrese's remains, less than eight miles from the Lost Hill Sheriff Station, and within two miles from the location where she was last seen she was found nude there was debris and dirt covering most of her body um hair clung to her skull more hair was scattered nearby um there was an earring tangled into it uh, there's more detail in the article about the um the state that her remains were in i was gonna say so Awful. she it took four months oh no this took almost a year before they found her a year because she went but missing she was on- in september it was the following august that she was finally found but she
0: was on a pot farm she was in it seems as though yeah she was in a pot farm so you would think that they would be harvesting you would think those plants so that they would come across that you a think. lot sooner who knows because I, I feel like pot well I mean I don't smoke pot I don't grow pot but I feel like it'd probably grow pretty quick because it's oh, it's a, it's a it's weed. weed hence yeah weed. it's a weed so it's like you would think that it would grow quick so people would be combing through and harvesting the stuff so they you would, would find who knows This is when I'm always like, I want to know exactly where. Yeah, I know. So
1: here is um, the last shake your head at the craziness of it all moment. So according to the coroner's report, an unidentified Lost Hills deputy arrived at the scene where they found her remains about 80 minutes after the park rangers called in their find. There were still no, 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 it gets worse. It gets worse. Um, There were still six hours of daylight, so there was plenty of time for the coroner coroner to get out to Dark Canyon, take their photos, collect evidence, and bring the body back to the lab for an examination. So the state penal code dictates that law enforcement needs to notify the coroner. (laughs) Penal. Needs to notify, uh, law enforcement should notify the coroner the moment it learns about human remains. But the coroner reported that the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department did not alert them until 2.58 p.m., which was nearly 90 minutes after they arrived at the scene and almost three hours after the Lost Hill Station was first informed about the body. So, oh, wait, it gets worse. So, just before 5 p.m., the coroner's seven-man team was sent from the hillside above the canyon to Lost Hill Station, where they were supposed to be picked up by a um, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department helicopter to bring them down to the site. By 5.20, two more Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department detectives had been airlifted to the site, but the coroner's team had not yet been. Do you
0: think that they would be the more important of people to get... There you'd think Um, another hour
1: and 40 minutes passed and there was still no helicopter for the coroner's team. The sheriff department has said that the helicopter was called to search for a missing hiker. So the sun setting, no aircraft in sight. The coroner's team kind of assumed, you know, we'd have to come back in the morning, whatever. But at around 8 PM, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's department wrangled a chopper and made the unilateral decision. Against the direction of the assistant chief coroner. The coroner report states that the detectives collected the remains and airlifted them back to the Lost Hill Sheriff Station. This, despite a state code that says a body shall not be disturbed or moved from the position or place of death without permission of the coroner or the coroner's appointed deputy.
0: I like how you just pulled your microphone a little bit. Like, I did. Like, this is important. This is very important. I got to make sure this is loud and clear. Listen
1: to what I say.
0: In all, sheriff's
1: personnel kept the coroner's team on standby for nearly four hours and had exclusive access to the remains for six and a half hours before removing them from the scene without approval from the coroner. If you're going to say why, I do not have an answer for you.
0: That's why I didn't say anything. (laughs) That's why I just made that face.
1: I wish I could. I have no answer for you. So... Mitrice's family has filed several lawsuits against the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department for releasing her from jail even though they claim she was experiencing severe bipolar disorder As at the time. As they should. As they should. Yeah. In 2011, her parents who had sued separately were each awarded $450,000. Mitrice's ex-girlfriend Tessa Moon, however, continues to refute claims that Maitreese had any mental illness. Mitrice's family also asked the California Attorney General's office to review the Sheriff's office's handling of the case. In November 2015, after reviewing 500 pages of documents sent with the request, the office of the attorney general applied that it had not found any grounds for criminal charges against the sheriff or his deputies. The attorney general's office also found no evidence that the sheriff's office had mishandled my family's complaint against it. However, in January 2016, the attorney general's office reversed itself and they announced that it was beginning a criminal investigation of the case. However, Another, however, on the other other hand, on December 30th, 2016, the California attorney general's office concluded that there was insufficient evidence to support criminal prosecution of anyone involved in the handling of the case. So I could talk for hours about the theories. I could talk for hours about my own personal thoughts on the case. I have a lot of very strong feelings about what happened the night of Mitrice's arrest and release and her subsequent disappearance and death. Um, However, as Nikki and I love to remind you, we are not experts. Um, Offering my opinion is not going to help anybody. (laughs) Offering my opinion could possibly do nothing but piss people off. That is not what I'm here to do. What I am here to do is encourage you to learn more about Mitrice's story, uh, learn more about her as a human being. Um, Read the article from lamag.com. Again, it was called What Happened to Mitrice Richardson. It was written by Mike Kessler, published on September 1st, 2001. It is a beautiful, beautifully written story, um, narrative about this case um goes into so much more detail than I possibly could have time to tell you all about. Um and it really is a very eloquent tribute to her and her memory. Um her mother also had a website that was up when she was still missing prior to her remains being found. But there's beautiful pictures on that website of Maitrice. Um, so I do recommend that you go and look at those just, again, to keep her memory alive and, um, you know, learn her story. It's an important story to tell. It's an important story to know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the the where I want to leave that. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, again, like I said, I highly recommend reading that article. Um, like I said, just do your best to make sure that we continue to talk about Mytreece Richardson mm-hmm. because, you know, it's been... Um, eleven years now that she's been gone and I just think it's important for us to make sure that she, you know, people still know who she is and still talk about her. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So
1: um yeah. So anything exciting going on in anybody's life to make us feel better?
0: <laughs> I got a new TV. Yay! And it's 4K. Yeah. So I went from like a really old TV uh-huh. to a new TV. And I was like, oh my God, I can see. That's nice. Um, I don't really
1: have my own exciting news to share. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything exciting going on, so I'll share Jovi's news. Jovi got engaged. Oh, okay. So. I did. Yeah. So that's kind that's of, special. I get, to, I get to share her news because I don't have any of my own. I, know,
0: I love it. I love how you had told me. You were like, oh, she has to tell you the news. And I was like, I already know the news. That's why I was confused. I
2: was like, I thought not
0: knew She's like, what? I was like, are you pregnant?
2: Oh,
0: God, no God. <laughs> Bite your tongue. With another puppy, Maybe.
2: Maybe. Oh.
0: I mean I, I mean at this point we're gonna be at home another year, so Yeah, really. Um, Alright, so
1: once again, we're so happy for you guys to join us uh, this week's episode of Bed Crime Stories. Um, thank you all so much for finding us on Instagram and on Twitter and following us on uh, social media. We here so crying. It. I know, it's so great. Um, so it's at Bed Crime Stories on Twitter and on Instagram. Please come find us and follow us and tell a friend. Um, again, you know, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Spotify
0: Podcasts. is a popular one. Spotify is a podi- uh, popular
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, no, like subscribe, comment, all of that stuff. Tell a friend. So we are going to um, open up our email to you guys to ask us any questions that you might have. You just maybe do like a Q&A episode here and there just to give you guys a little bit of a break from the mystery and mayhem and murder. So our email address is bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. So that's bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Send us some Q&A. Well, send us some Q's and we'll give you some A. And then um, you can do that either through Gmail, through Instagram DMs, or through Twitter DMs. Um, So slip into our DMs and ask us some Q's and Mm -hmm. we'll give you some A's. (laughs) All right. It's getting weird. So um, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of Bad Crime Stories as much as we enjoyed giving you this episode of Bad Crime Stories. We will talk to you all next week. But until then, sweet Sweet dreams. dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash buy backslash 3.0.